Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt, and this is the Hometown Daily News Show for January 10th, 2023. Today's episode is titled, Working for NASA While Sitting on My Butt with FMLA Getting Angry Texts. Let's get going. Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. I'm actually looking up at the AI that runs Omtown. But wait, first we've got Omtown over there, omtown.com. And uh, today's uh, episode is uh, a, a series of links that funnel through Omtown as usual. Uh, we've got 10 articles that run a broad gamut of topics. Uh, today's episode is titled Working for NASA While Sitting on My Butt with FMLA Getting Angry Texts. And um, my co-host, the artificial intelligence that runs hometown and still hasn't come up with a name. Hello. Good evening, hometown citizens. Oh, yeah. And if you um, are hearing this and it's a booming voice, that is the AI that runs hometown. And if you come over to uh, twitch.tv slash hometown, um, you can actually see the data representation of their voice um, since they have not identified as anything other than an artificial intelligence that runs hometown and they have chosen not to limit themselves with a name. Um, well, that's, that's all that they wanted was just that, that little sound blip graphic waveform. So let's get into today's news. What do you say? It's the last 24 hours of news that is funneled through hometown. We're expanding the aggregation efforts. So even more news sources are going to be getting little snippets thrown into the hometown categories. And that's what runs across the top here. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, then uh, just know that it's create news, education, entertainment, social, and technology. Uh, all of that is discussed within the crossroads of business, technology, and society. Uh, you tell me where you can get away from any of those, and I'll tell you where you're wrong. Everybody enti is entitled to an opinion, no matter how wrong it is. Uh, maybe that's the wrong way to in invite people to hometown. Contrary to that statement, we do welcome additional citizens. Yes. Come to hometown.com and become a citizen of hometown. It's fast. It's free. It's pretty simple. And you get to choose all of your news sources here. Well, categories. And there are groups. Uh, people don't really post. It's mostly news aggregation. And, and from within that, you get to go off to all of your the news sources. Um, but there's a ton of news in here. And uh, we're going to be doing some work on it. In the near future, uh, we're still trying to figure out uh, some of the, the the data acquisition is so comprehensive that it's hard to um, fix the roads. There's a few potholes here in hometown, but we'll remedy it. Let's get into the actual articles. Yes. So um, this first article is over in the uh, Warcrafters channel, by the way. If um, you go over to 
Well, there's a little link right there. Ohmtown.showbot.tv. You can go over there and vote for your favorite articles. Um, I also put them in the show notes and I put them in the VOD. The VOD gets eaten every 60 days, I think it is, here on Twitch. But it lives in perpetuity over on YouTube. Um, and the podcast uh, persists as long as, well, Ohmtown does. So... Uh, don't forget all of these places. There's actually a Discord, but I don't really hype it up. And there's a Patreon, but I don't hype it up. I think I have a TikTok. Definitely don't hype that up. So what I'm trying to say is I don't hype anything. Uh, I, I'm pretty moderate. Okay. You're anti-hype. I'm. Oh, that's not good. Wow. There's a dearth of hype in hometown. Uh, I'm haunted by that word. So Asus's new gaming routers look like spiders and are Wi-Fi 7 ready, even though 6E is pretty much the standard that we are moving to. Wi-Fi 5 is where we were. Uh, Wi-Fi 6 came out, and then as 6 was rolling out, 6E became the standard, and 7 hasn't been certified. But lo and behold, a router is out, and Asus is the one to do it. So, let's go straight over to the source. And that's Hope Corrigan is the author of this article over at PCGamer.com. Ready to give you extra gaming bandwidth if you've um, if you've got good enough net. So this is kind of uh, you'll have to read into it quite a bit if you're not familiar with the uh, the whole idea of what the heck is going on here in hometown. Anyway, um, so if you're not familiar with uh, what they're referring to. So Wi-Fi 7 has even more bandwidth to play with. Wi-Fi 6E has a certain amount. 6 has a certain amount. 5 has a certain amount. But there's also functionality beyond just the raw amount of speed. It's concurrent connections and the way that the radio transmits and even the range of the transmitter. Uh, It's more like transceiver because it sends and receives data, obviously. Um, but this is what they're actually talking about. They look like spiders. Apparently they're Wi-Fi 7 ready, but that's not certified. They even have eight legs. Oh. Oh. Well, unlike uh, either a spider or I liken them more to like face huggers from Alien, um, these are probably going to hug your wallet. Uh, these performance performance routers, as they are referred to, uh, gaming routers, some would, would say, uh, there's certain limitations on the number of concurrent connections, um, overall speed. You might be able to hit that max uh, data transfer rate within your local area network if you are on that same router. But the moment that you transition over to some other line, a wired line or wireless line, you're going to lose that speed. Um, There are prosumer versions that have just a ton of concurrent connections. Um, 
and my history with these gaming routers are that you pay more for more concurrent connections. It becomes an issue um, if you are a prolific uh, network user. Um, most people have 10 gigabit or less um, bandwidth. So these are touting upwards of 25 um, gigabits and it's it's really just too much, right? So, um, will somebody be able to take advantage of it? Yeah, sure. Well, most people, no, not really. Um, yeah, it, it's hard for, for me to say, yeah, this, this makes sense because most people's internet is only max one gig. You have to be a real go-getter to get something beyond one gig. Um, and even then it's usually not symmetric unless you've got fiber, uh, which comes down to a few providers. Um, love the idea of it, but this thing is probably going to cost 600, 700, $800, um, depending on the tier that you get. Uh, I don't have the full facts, specs and numbers here. Uh, it's just that part is speculation about the pricing because they don't even talk about it here on pcgamer.com. Um, my advice to anybody who is looking to expand out of, um, I guess the, uh, what I would call the old school ideology of wired connections and going to wireless, um, nowadays I would start out with 6E, don't get anything less, um, and jumping, jumping the gun on this, uh, higher end Wi-Fi 7 uh, performance gaming, uh, rig may not actually turn into anything. It may not perform for your network and your network would be the bottleneck. And it's hard to fix the bottleneck when it's your entire network. Uh, the gateway out to the internet is going to be your slowest data point. And if you're doing everything online, spending a mint on this isn't going to really do you much of a service because you're going to be paying the premium for Wi-Fi 7, even though it's future-proofing. You know, you buy a 6E router today, you're not going to need a faster router for another 10 years. Um, you know, Wi-Fi 5 has been around forever. AX, Wi-Fi AX um, is now 6. Wi-Fi 6 um, is AX, and it's going to be around forever. That is pretty much the standard. 7 will probably not gain any real traction mainly because nobody has the performance for it at the network level. But aggregate bandwidth of 25 gigabits might be interesting, you know? Um, yeah, so let's move on to the next article unless you want to talk about it a little bit more. I was just going to say I learned a new term um, to add to my database, cryptid. I thought that was a clever usage in the article yeah, to reference nice. Wi-Fi. Yeah, so the, um, hold on one second. Yeah, because um, cryptids are animals that cryptozoologists believe exist somewhere in the wild, but are not believed to exist by mainstream science. I wanted to read that um, precisely. Um, these remind me of something, and I'm trying to remember what they were. They were a little creepy crawly. Um, um, Stargate. 
they were they're from the TV series Stargate, and they can self replicate and they t- basically took over Stargate bases. Um, once they crawled through, they would uh, replicate on their own. Little creepy cryptid, basically spiders. Anyway, um, let's uh, let's go on to the next article, and that is this one here. Um, yeah. Virtual power plants get a boost. Google, Ford, General Motors, and a group of solar um, energy pr- producers are joining forces to, it says innovative, but to innovate a virtual solution to the rising pressures on the electric grid. The companies announced Tuesday that they're signing on to the Virtual Power Plant Partnership, or VP3, an initiative to, uh, by clean energy think tank Rocky Mountain Institute. Let's just go straight on over to the article. This is at the Hill. Saul Elbean and uh, Sharon Udison is uh, or are the authors. And um, the companies announced on Tuesday that they're signing on to the uh, VP3. And what that is is virtual power plants are pools of decentralized energy resources like smart thermostats, plugged-in vehicle batteries, uh, electric heaters that can be turned on or off to create a form of dispatchable power for overtaxed grids the inflation reduction act the biden administration's climate uh, spending package contains considerable tax incentives for a wide array of electric devices from heat pumps to solar panels which can be used together to smooth the grid if properly coordinated such technology quote is increasingly going to be required to make sure the grid remains resilient that we avoid blackouts and that we enable the grid to become cleaner and greener, said Pereg Chokshi, director of Google's Nest Renew, told Reuters. Doesn't this smack kind of of they're going to have the ability to turn off stuff remotely? Is is that? Yeah, it kind of sounds like that, which is kind of concerning from a privacy standpoint or a necessity standpoint. But maybe it's more toward just incentivizing those types of items and that consumers can turn those on or off. Yeah. But uh, I'll be honest, this article, the way that it reads is more like GPT-3 uh, chat GPT that uh, an artificial intelligence put this together. Uh, I have a hard time kind of reading this. Like it's like a staccato message. It doesn't seem to be reading really well for me. Anyway, uh, Newsom budget proposal includes climate cuts and they talk about bridging the gap. California is now facing an estimated budget gap of 22.5 billion there was a time not too far ago that California had a surplus and, and now there's a budget gap. I'm not sure what really has been going on in California uh, for the last 10 years, but um, looks like it's turning into a hot mess. There was a time. I mean, the like the university system was like ramping up tons of costs and people were talking about how they should be lowering the fees for uh, academia because there was such a surplus in California. Maybe I've got my wires crossed. Um, but they talk about reductions on the way, regardless of the shortfalls. Newsom emphasized the climate initiatives for the 
Uh, most part were unscathed in the new budget proposal. And they t this is very focused on California, um, uh, but environmental controls across the board in this uh, spending package. At any rate, um, there's a lot more over here at this article, but perhaps the idea of making the grid smarter and everything working in coordination uh, might be good. I can see that there would be some resistance points because I don't want anything remotely shutting off my air conditioning. I, as, uh, as, uh, a citizen in hometown, I run hotter than most. Um, and so I like, uh, my, what do you, my virtual reality to be air conditioned quite well. Um, so I, I would hate for somebody to remotely turn off my stuff, um, or abuse my smart thermostat. And I have a nest. So, uh, guess what's on the uh, chopping block in this year? my nest thermostat that's right i mean it sounds reminiscent of things like rolling blackouts and we know how well those have gone over yeah okay so let's go on to the next article um this one i thought was really interesting <laughs> uh so there's this theory that eventually everything reduces to somebody dropping nazi um into the conversation. Every conversation devolves until Nazis. Um, and this here, it kind of went from, Hey, look, a neat, uh, world war two era map that we found. Um, let's display it to now people are digging up holes all over the town. Hey, stop it. You goobers. So uh, Dutch authorities released a World War II era map last week that marks the spot where Nazis buried a small fortune of looted treasure as they retreated from the Netherlands in 1945. This is titled Town Forced to Tell Treasure Hunters to Please Stop Looking for Nazi Gold. Well, if I can go digging into a hole somewhere uh, in an island off the coast of uh, Canada and wait, where all it that Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia. Thank you. Uh, the money pit, uh, the curse of Oak Island. Then I can go and, uh, the curse of, uh, Netherlands. I, I don't know what to call this show and I can dig little holes for where this Nazi gold might be. Anyway, it set off a mad rush to find the long lost stash of riches that has wrangled lo locals Odds on, though, it was already dug up. The treasure is said to contain coins, jewelry, uh, gems, and other valuables estimated to be worth about $19 million today, which doesn't seem like a lot. Uh, German soldiers stole the hoard from a broken uh, bank vault in Arnhem. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, during the final year of the war and buried it in ammunition boxes as they fled um, advances into, um, the nation by allied forces. So on the run, Hey, I guess they were mobile uh, and on their way out. It's <sighs> horrible. Anyway, this is over at vice.com. Becky Ferreira wrote the article and, uh, yeah, it has a picture of the map Dutch national archives, uh, on the left. 
is the map and then a Getty's image, a Getty images image on the right of somebody with a metal detector. Probably not the dude from Curse of Oak Island. Yeah, that doesn't look like an, an advanced enough uh, metal detector for that. Yeah, his was like massive, right? His metal detector was like huge. That one I saw it was like a four feet in diameter. I mean, this thing was huge. Um, at any rate, the, the treasure is said to contain uh, coins, jewelries, and gems and other things. And uh, experts point out that the area is close to the front line of the Second World War. Searching there is dangerous because of possible unexploded bombs, landmines, or grenades. And we therefore advise against searching for the Nazi treasure. And if you get blown up, you will not see that coming. Uh, the AI that runs Ometown wants to delete me. So, man... What do you think that the S is? The map originally belonged to a German shoulder, n shoulder? soldier known only as Helmut S. I'm going to just say Schmidt. Helmut Schmidt. Whose uh, whereabouts and ultimate fate are currently unknown. After World War II, Helmut uh, ended up in Berlin where he boasted that he was present for the burial of the valuables near a poplar tree. Maybe it was really popular and somebody's already found that tree. Uh, though he claimed he was not involved in the original theft. Uh, word of the treasure reached Dutch officials who tried to locate it several times from 1946 to 1947 to no avail. Um, experts have speculated that the treasure could have already been ransacked by a number of people during the turbulent end of World War II from local Dutch villagers to retreating Nazi soldiers. I, I, I'm willing to bet that Anybody in that town was, they were watching what was going on and they saw, you know, a cluster of, uh, Nazis, uh, digging a hole, putting something in it. And people were willing to risk everything because what the hell were they doing? They're digging a bunch of holes. So anyway, a lot of researchers, journalists, and amateur archeologists are really interested and excited. Well, don't get yourself blown up for I don't know it's a lot of money uh, I gotta go I'll see you later no I'm not leaving hometown to go treasure hunting for Nazi gold so uh, let's go on to the next article can you imagine a town being forced hey quit digging up our roads so the next article is in the hatchet. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I can't decide which side is more odd. Either everybody in the town trying to dig in the same area or the town saying, sorry, we know there's a lot of gold here, but nobody's allowed to dig for it. It'll get, well, people will, will surreptitiously. Maybe that's what's going to happen. There will be innovation. What's going to end up happening is uh, people will create metal detecting shoes so they can just walk around and it will beep, beep into their buds 
and then transmit the location into their augmented reality glasses, which Apple is supposed to release sometime this year. See everything. Omtown is a nexus of ideas. Come hang out. <laughs> Could even use the time travel machine we featured. I mean, that's right. It, that's it's right. all linked together. We go back in time. Supposedly, it's not possible to kill Hitler because it would be a massive change to the timeline. But while I'm traveling, I can smack the bad bat out of somebody's mouth. Lowe's is going to be combining RFID and blockchain technologies to ensure stolen products, of course, blockchain, it has to be blockchain, to ensure stolen products are rendered inoperable. Right. The move comes as theft has ballooned into a nearly $100 billion problem for the retail industry. You know why theft is increasing? Because there's fewer and fewer people on the floor serving customers. Are you blaming the employees for the uh, customers or non-customers who are stealing things? It's interesting your take, artificial intelligence that runs hometown, but I'm blaming quite the opposite. There aren't enough people supporting the customers and providing oversight and stalking and general support and awareness and such that people who are going to abuse the dearth of support are going to roll in there and go, well, nobody's looking. I'm going to put this chainsaw down my pants. Anyway, Lowe's is going to be combining the RFID and blockchain technologies to stop theft. Home Depot instituted a similar initiative in 2021 to sell power tools with point of sale activation. So if you, I don't know if a faulty machine on the way out and you uh, trip the thing and it kills your device and you're headed to the job and you don't know that your device is now defunct because of a broken activator or deactivator of the lock you know the deactivator of the deactivator you drive an hour to your gig you have to turn around drive all the way back through lowe's innovation labs the company is planning to launch an anti-theft initiative called project unlock that uses rfid chips and scanners to activate products that are legitimately purchased So, go ahead. I was just going to say, I see more customers running into problems with that than perhaps thefts that are stopped. And also, then they'll look for a way around the RFID chips or a way to activate those, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you build a better mouse, you get a mousetrap, you get better mice. It's just the way of the world. My biggest problem for this is, you're creating a friction point for a customer that actually does pay for it. And, and meanwhile, the it's, it, it can still be stolen. Um, and this, I guess the, it really is theft because you can't make unlimited cop. Well, technically, I guess you could theoretically make unlimited copies at any rate. Um, Let's go over to the article. Uh, the source is at businessinsider.com. Ben Tobin is the author. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it says that Home Depot did it. So Lowe's is going to do it and everybody's doing it. And I think that we're maybe a couple of years out where it's going to be tool as a service. 
where you're going to get your saws all and try to get your saws on and you're not going to pay your $4.99 a month fee <clears throat> and then it doesn't work. And then your catalytic converter is going to be halfway cut off and you won't be able to take it and go pawn it for food. Welcome to the 22nd century. Yay. I will proudly serve my AI overlord. So they go into other details about this. Over the last few years, theft driven largely by organized groups has uh, risen to the end uh, for the entire retail industry. Again, I offer up the idea that because we are pulling employees out of the workplace, not because of COVID, but because we want to increase margins and we can, we think that we can do more with less perpetually while raising the requirement to sell more and uh, ever demand that profit margin get bigger month after month, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I know that I've gone into Home Depot, into Lowe's in various states, various times, and hell if I find somebody. And when I do, it's one person that's been in retirement for 30 years and is crankier than I am. And of course, not in hometown. In hometown, you don't even need any tools. We're all a bunch of electrons flowing around in the matrix. Come and join us. Okay, so the net result has been lockdown store experiences that penalize customers. Uh, that's what Lowe's said in a December 2022 video announcing the initiative. No, put people back in there and pay them a respectable amount. Uh, take care of them so that they can take care of your enterprise. If your margin and your stockholders, your stockholders don't need a dividend. They don't need month after month of growth, growth, growth. You do as a business so that you can get more money and then sell and buy stock and blah, blah. I mean, it's, it gets really messy when you start peeling back the layers of the onion. But what I want is a workforce that is happy and healthy, taken care of, providing customers with service that is, you know, respectable and, and not the hot mess that it seems to be. Um, and it's all in the effort of uh, producing more wealth for fewer people. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. Um, let's see if they say anything about that in here. Um, no, not really. They, uh, business insider asked, um, Lowe's about project unlock, but they didn't actually make any comment about the plans to fully roll it out. And uh, it says here, the company said that we see a future in which technologies like Project Unlock can help the entire retail ecosystem create a great environment for our customers. Yeah, right. How dystopian is that? I mean, that's, I feel like I'm being kind of gaslit, you know, like if you say that you are against this, then obviously you don't want to create a great environment for our customers. I don't see how having lockdown anything is going to be good for our customers. 
I don't know. Well, Maybe odd. The article makes that point, and Lowe's made that point that previous um, efforts have done just that. But doesn't this also do that? Exactly. Yeah. They say earlier up here, right? We think there are better ways to curb theft than locking products down. So in the inhale, they say there's better ways to do it. And then in the exhale, they maybe by locking them down, they mean physically bolted down somewhere. But you do that with a demonstration version. All the rest of the boxes are sitting there and they have little uh, codes like um, little chips on them so that when they cross the RFID scanner, they send an alert. What they're trying to do is stop the device from actually functioning. Hence, there is no reason for them to actually bolt out the door and throw it in their car and then take off. Um, well, there's this mandate that nobody's allowed to touch somebody who's stealing from a store. You're not allowed to touch a thief who is exiting the store with goods. If you are an employee, if you're a customer and you do it, the liability is on you as a, a personal person entity. So if you hurt that person, they can sue you. And so if an employee hurts a thief on the way out, then it ends up in court and the company has to settle out of court or do a long winded, uh, you know, litigation and blah, blah, blah. So nobody's allowed to touch anybody. No hugging. Anyway. Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than, you know, me being kind of lackadaisical about this. Um, society as a whole benefits from, okay, so not society as a whole, but there is a segment of society that because of their whatever uh, need, requirement to survive, etc., they feel that they can go and steal something. Um, I, I mean, I could tell you stories about how I was the victim of theft and whatnot, but people who feel like they have no other option because they don't have education or knowledge, skills, and abilities, they don't have uh, opportunity, they don't have equity, they don't have inclusion, they don't have nepotism that favors the, the few who seem to get socially connected, etc. There's all kinds of mechanisms in society um, that afford few to have much. Well, you wouldn't have theft to as great an extent if there were more opportunities. And there are fewer opportunities because we're automating every single beep, fart, and whistle without educating the masses to do something bigger than just swipe a barcode across a laser scanner and throw it in a bag. That is society's greatest woe. We are not prepping the people of today for the future. And, uh, but there are people out there that are exploiting it to their personal advantage. Soapbox. So let's move on to the next article. And thus the AI that runs hometown has something that they would like to say. I have nothing to add to the soapbox. So the next article is in the Law Nerd channel. This one is really interesting because we spoke about it yesterday, correct? 
That's right. We were just mentioning it. So if you look, I believe, at yesterday's show, you should see a correlated article. So this one is in the Law Nerd channel. After texting, uh, uh, sorry, after text calling maternity leave, quote, unquote, sitting on your ass, the law firm looks to sit on its ass in response. I'm just going to go straight over to the article because there really isn't much in the snippet other than it offers a vague, confusing take. Um, but let's let's check this out. So Joe Patrice over at AboveTheLaw.com wrote this article and it says the firm statement offers vague, confusing take on the allegations. Um, and it's kind of a, I guess you have to call it an allegation, right? Because it was just a text and nothing has been verified except that they verify it in their response. So I guess it's not really an allegation, right? This is the statement that was made by X person. Right. I mean, if the sender of the text acknowledges that they sent it. Right. So um, they have since confirmed that the author of the text was John Delino or Delano? 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 I don't know how to pronounce their last name. Hey, John, um, if you ever hear this, let me know how to pronounce your last name so I can correctly align you with what has to be the worst take of 2023 and we're only 10 days into it. Coming from a firm that specializes in labor and employment law. We yeah. can't make this up. Oh, man. So, the, okay, so a senior attorney at a Cleveland law firm texted a former associate a furious message threatening to sabotage her future job prospects and characterizing her maternity leave as, quote-unquote, collecting salary from the firm while sitting on your ass. Bold take from a labor and employment attorney. They've confirmed it, and, and that's above the law, has confirmed it, um, that it's John Delano of Zashin and Rich, a lawyer representing, quote, most of the Cleveland area's largest public sector employers, end quote, including a number of municipalities. Indeed, a quick search turned out that um, Delano represented the city of Cleveland and the Sixth Circuit described his advocacy as making, quote, a passing head fake at a potential legal issue. rousing stellar <laughs> after noting that it quote flouts precedent and quote has a fatal jurisdictional problem end quote we've reached out to the cleveland law department to see if they have anything to say about their outside counsel's texting habits and haven't heard back so that's um all what joe patrice uh, put together and then here's the statement from Zashin and Rich managing partner Stephen Zashin uh, issued a statement on the matter, and and, and uh, Joe Patrice says it's not particularly encouraging. And in sum, they say became aware of it being inappropriate and unprofessional. Um, that it was a single text in the heat of the moment. I don't know about you, but I think that um, in the heat of the moment, sending a text. It kind of falls on its face because, yeah, you can angrily text, but it's not, not really in the heat of the moment. Heat of the moment is. Um, like yelling at somebody in person or something, right? Right, right. It's 
what I witnessed in in um, Southern California at a um, a restaurant where two people broke out knives um, and threatened each other with it. And you kind of sat there and went, what am I about to witness? Um, yeah, that's heat of the moment. Not just like Joe Patrice says, editing your text and hitting send. As an attorney, you should probably stop, count a couple of seconds. Is this the right thing to say? I'm involved in HR, employment law, <laughs> labor, um, which is really ironic because she's on maternity leave. <laughs> You're right. There are layers upon layers of irony. Yeah. You, like you said, you just can't make this up. And considering you're an AI, you can make up a lot of things. So in the text indicated that uh, Delano had recommended firing the associate, uh, the associate during maternity leave just for interviewing. By the way, um, I can't find anything in FMLA that says that you cannot go job hunting while on FMLA. Um, you are on maternity leave. You are on FMLA. I'm assuming that they are on FMLA, right? Uh, maternity leave or otherwise, they are released from their duties at the firm. And if they so choose within the, that time frame, there isn't anything saying, hey, you're not allowed to work. You can go work a side gig if you want to. As long as your employment contract doesn't preclude you from doing anything, uh, Every attorney has the ability to do side work as long as there isn't a conflict of interest and the firm allows it. Well, um, yeah, so I just wanted to make it clear that maternity leave doesn't prevent you from going and looking for a gig. FMLA doesn't prevent you from going and looking for a gig. Employment law doesn't prevent you from going and looking for a gig. If you stipulate in your contract, no, I will not go looking for a gig while I'm on maternity leave, even that is probably in violation of employment law because it's not enforceable because you're a protected class if you're pregnant. Um, so it doesn't get any better from the beginning of their statement to the end that they stand on the firm's record of how they, how they treat employees. Ashen and Rich prides themselves on focusing the supporting working parents with modified schedules and other accommodations. As long as you don't look for a job. Oh wait, that's not what it says there. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't paraphrase. Uh, for more than a decade, we have offered open-ended paid leave for maternity, paternity, and other forms of medical leave. But if you look for a job, we will burn your house down. Uh, I paraphrase again, and that was not included. I'm sorry. I, I tend to go off the rails here. Um, we do this because we believe it's the right thing to do. Well, the firm definitely offers paid leave. That's how we got here. It's also how we ended up with someone in a senior position who at the least, uh, at least on the face of it, texts and believes in firing a woman on maternity leave, but feels empowered to share the suggestion with management and doesn't get shut down. So a little bit further on in the article, it says, speaking of doing anything, is the firm doing anything? Well, glad you asked. According to Joe Patrice, as a, as a result of this incident, the firm is taking corrective action. We are taking a purposeful look at our culture and what may need to change. While we cannot undo the past, we can change the future. We are committed to turning this negative into a positive. So you hear that? We've investigated ourselves 
and found no wrongdoing, your misogyny can continue unabated. Thank you very much. And meanwhile, the partners will continue in their positions who are probably setting the culture at the firm. Yeah. So I read another article in the, another law firm or about another law firm, or I should say law firms in general, that during the pandemic, poor performing associates were not let go. So at least there's that, right? But apparently, even if you're, if you're pregnant and you are on maternity leave or paternity leave and you happen to go and look for another gig, well, it says here, update. To clarify, corrective action doesn't necessarily require terminating the author. That's, so let me back up a little bit. The firm would be better off saying that they're still investigating than blasting out, that they've considered the facts and dismissed all of it in the heat of the moment exchange and will only commit to vague, mealy-mouthed corrective action. This is basically what I just said, and I haven't read all of this article, so... Then it says, update, to clarify, corrective action doesn't necessarily require terminating the author. And by terminating, I don't mean the artificial intelligence's version of terminating. Um, they mean firing. Um, that's an option, but so is committing to pro bono work or trainings or hiring consultants or any number of concrete actions companies spell out all the time when faced with workplace culture issues. There's not even an apology in this statement. The firm does labor and employment work. It should know what a corrective action looks like. This is not it. Joe Patrice. Ah, golf clap. You know, that's uh, that you, this is just beautiful for being, I mean, this is a, a website that focuses on law and is abundantly socially aware that you shouldn't be treating an employee like this, let alone one that is on maternity leave. And I don't care if they left the nest while they were making their own. So be it. Obviously they felt compelled to walk away from your enterprise. It could have been a hostile work environment. I don't know. You don't say. Yeah. You're going to lunch. I'm going to burn your house down. Again, I paraphrase. The next article is in the word in tech. NASA wants you to help study planets around other stars. The exoplanet watch project invites you to use your smartphone or personal telescope to help track worlds outside our solar system. That's a hell of a smartphone. Let's go on to the next article, or I should say the source of the article, Jet Propulsion Laboratory put this article together for fizz.org. And it says more than 5,000 planets have been confirmed to exist outside our solar system. It's all lies, folks. It's all, it's all lies. It's, it's there to fake us out because it's a flat disc sitting on a turtle swimming through space time. I mean, this is why our smartphones are so expensive. Because it has, the, they have the ability to search for exoplanets. 
They've been adding way too many features. <laughs> okay, that one caught me off guard. Um, so featuring a wider way, array of characteristics uh, like clouds made of glass and twin suns, scientists estimate there could be millions more exoplanets in our home galaxy alone, which means professional astronomers could use some help tracking and studying them. This is where Exoplanet Watch comes in. Participants in the uh, program can use their own telescopes to detect planets outside our solar system, or they can look for exoplanets in data from our uh from other telescopes using a computer or smartphone. Pretty neat. I'm on board. Yeah, I actually think this sounds really cool. So helping without a, you can set up your own telescope and point it out there. And uh, I'm going to have to do a little bit more uh, research into this because this is the first time that I'm seeing it myself. But apparently you can uh, facilitate without having your own telescope. You can use your phone. Um, let's see. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So citizen scientist Brian E. Martin uses his personal telescope to observe exoplanets. This is a personal telescope. A personal telescope. It looks like it belongs at an observatory. It looks like it is an observatory. Uh, this thing... If I were to bolt this onto the side of uh, an estate in Omtown, it would pull the building off its foundation and fall over like the large order of ribs in the Flintstones. Everybody out there probably have no idea what I'm talking about unless you're my age. Not even the AI that runs Omtown understood what I just said. No, I only got part of that reference. Man. So that was the case with, uh, they all, everybody worked together and that was the case with planet, uh, called HD 80606B, which Webb will observe this year. A recent study of this planet led by Kyle Pearson, the exoplanet watch deputy science lead at JPL combined observations from more than 20 exoplanet watch participants. The volunteer effort on HD 80606B will free up almost two hours of time on web for other observations. That is a hell of a deal. Amazing. I guess it's time to get a telescope. That Okay, done. That is a project for Omtown. Omtown will uh, find a telescope and um, we'll work to put it into um, we'll we'll put it into uh, Omtown and um, stream it live uh, where we can when we can um, as long as Omtown is um, safe and sound so we'll we'll look into it okay so let's move on to the next article yikes Hackers are hiding malware inside a fake Pokemon NFT card game and not the trading card game, folks. But a little bit of advice, a little bit of uh, PSA. Um, okay, so... A little bit rock and roll. A <laughs> little bit country, a little bit... Okay, I'm sorry. So the... Um, 
we follow in Ohm Town a message called click with care. So you don't go willy nilly clicking on stuff on the web. Everything is a risky click and sometimes it can bring down the entire enterprise or all of your personal safety or all kinds of things. So click with care. Don't just blindly click and install software. Um, it says here, yikes, hackers are hiding malware inside a fake Pokemon NFT card game. Pokemon card game, not to be confused with the Pokemon trading card game, isn't a real game. It's malware disguised as a Pokemon NFT game that's designed to fool unsuspecting Pocket Monster fans into Pokemon used to be called Pocket Monster. Um, into clicking on compromising links, this malicious fakemon installs remote control software on infected computers, which hackers can then use to access private user data and make their PC susceptible to more malicious attacks, as well as like a launching post for malicious attacks. And then what happens is even if the, uh, the victim of a launched attack reverse engineers or has the police involved and the, or the FBI or whatever that brings down a network. Right. And so they trace back the connection and they find out where the person was that launched the attack. It's the person that lives next door to the real hacker because they've taken over somebody else's computer. You know what I'm saying? So it basically puts everything off one step beyond arm's reach. So according to cybersecurity analyst ASEC via beeping or bleeping computer, hackers went as far as creating a pretty convincing fake website for their fake game and even a fake marketplace where you can claim and mint Pokemon NFTs, Pokemon card NFTs. The fake site offers no real Pokemon NFTs, however, just headaches. So clicking on it would land you in a whole heap of trouble. This was provided, uh, this information was published over at PCGamer.com, um, and it's Jorge Jimenez. That's right, I'm looking at you, AI that runs Omtown. I see your ones and zeros. I was listening carefully for the author. Pokemon card game isn't a real PC game, just a clever trap by hackers. This is a very scary picture for me. Um, it's like Jason Voorhees is like Halloween. I don't know if you've ever seen Halloween, but uh, maybe you should uh, integrate that into your, yeah, it's a horror movie. So the AI shouldn't have any emotional response. Oh wait, you're sentient. So, oh God, we're in trouble anyway. Um, so yeah, don't click on stuff. Click with care, pay attention to the digital world around you and, and please don't compromise yourself or, the enterprise that you are working at, or uh, so there's so many knock on effects of you making one wrong click. Um, but if you're situationally aware, then you can avoid the whole catastrophe. One second. Uh, the scam is convincing because a Pokemon NFT card game sounds like something that could be a real thing. Yeah, a little bit of lie, a little bit of truth and you end up with a compromise. Given the popularity of um, Pokemon and NFTs, Nintendo expressed tepid interest in NFTs and Metaverse uh, during a Q&A last year. It hasn't announced any NFT games, but a good fake could still fool someone who doesn't keep up with the news. So 
everybody in hometown, please don't just randomly click on stuff. Uh, it could be bad. Anything you want to throw in there? Oh, uh, just also that I think kids are likely to fall for this scam. So if you have kids in your household, you might mention this to them. Speak to your children and uh, teach them better than you taught yourself because they need to learn it earlier because most of us, you know, that are probably watching this have grown up in this era and we've already been through a lot of nightmare and we know not to click on things, right? We know not to click on things, right? Right. So teach your kids not to click on things as well and save everybody a whole lot of heartache um, earlier than later. Don't wait until they're an adult and they're learning their own lessons with their own credit already destroyed and whatnot. So, okay, so let's move on to the next article. Uh, this next article is uh, Zara Sue's Los Angeles-based brand. I think it's Thilico uh, for serial copyright infringement. And the case poses an almost existential question for the fashion industry. I'm not sure if it's existential. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward to me. I think it's pretty straightforward. So let's click on this link. And, and this is from fashionista.com. And uh, Andre Bossi is the author of this. And uh, I don't think it's existential because here's the situation. I'll just summarize because I've, I've heard about this before. Um, in many cases, you can take another product and uh, rework it, upscale it, or do something else to make it your own and sell it. But apparently what's going on here, and I'll tease you with that, and then I'll just kind of get to the gut punch here in a second. The author says, and I, I said it earlier, Andrea Bossi, um, another day, another fashion lawsuit. Uh, Christian Louboutin is uh, coming for Amazon, uh, Adidas, that's supposed to be the correct way to say it, Adidas, um, is taking Tom Brown to court. And now fast fashion giant Zara is suing a small Los Angeles-based brand for serial, quote-unquote, serial copyright violations. Yes, you read that right. Zara is the one suing another entity this time around. So Fashion Law reports that in a lawsuit filed in New York federal court on January 4th, Zara alleges that Thilico, the and owner Queenie Williams built a business by reselling Zara garments at high markups, removing and replacing Zara tags with Thilico's own. Zara and its parent company, uh, Inditex. It reminds me of um, Office Space, Inditex. Um, That's exactly what it reminds me of. And also we had an article recently uh, featuring Office Space. Inatech, thanks for calling. Inatech, thanks for calling. Uh, also claim up to uh, 32 images have been infringed upon by the LA brand, which touts inspiration from Scandinavian simplicity and French elegance. Okay, so the clothing is flat packed and you have to assemble it? Uh, maybe I've got it all wrong. Anyway, so 
for instance, a mohair jacket costs around $1,300 while a tank dress comes in at under $500 from Thilico, but Zara's same coat apparently tends to cost around $130 and a comparable tank dress is $50. And part of Zara's complaint alleges that Thilico's rebranded Zara items as its own with exorbitant markups and that it falsely is po uh, positioning itself as an independent fashion brand and the creator and craftsman like maker of the fashion designs in its collections. The latter claims feeds into arguments around the dizzying level of greenwashing pervasive in the industry today. And they go on and on and on. Um, so I think this is going to be interesting because they say here that it's uh, seeking substantial monetary damages as well as irreparable and unquantifiable harm to Zara's reputation and goodwill. It's interesting. No. Yeah, I think it is interesting. Um, and this one also caught my attention because we're not talking about the fashion industry very often on here. Yeah. Uh, this will be interesting to watch. And um, obviously uh, over on hometown is a small snippet and we point you over to um, the article, the article itself uh, first appeared on above the law. So uh, even above the law has um, discussed it to some degree. So I always recommend above the law. So go over to above the law.com and check them out. Um, as usual, come here to hometown and we can talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but always go and visit these sites because you'll get more information beyond what I summar. I summarize quite a bit. Um, I give you a business technology and social context to it and my personal context, as well as the AI that runs hometown now also infusing this stream with their, uh, ideas and, and, uh, summaries and, uh, world experiences and large language model. I could get into the tech side of it, but, um, always come and hang out with us. I think that would be great to see more people in chat. Um, that said, we've got two more articles and then we're done for the day. The next article is in the word in tech and it's a podcast subscribers want more podcasts. I think that's pretty much, um, true. Absolutely. Uh, there is the hometown podcast, so I will take this opportunity to, um, encourage you to go over to, uh, any podcast catcher and catch your pod. Just do a search for hometown and you'll, you'll find hometown there. Um, and they go into their little segment over at the verge. Um, Ariel Shapiro is the Ariel Shapiro wrote this article. Um, maybe a different one. Um, plus Microsoft makes some big leaps into audio AI. Apple is making it into audio AI. Bing is expanding into, um, AI in its search. Um, and all kinds of stuff. AI is basically coming for everybody's gerb. Um, so go over to the verge, follow the link through hometown and you'll come over to this article. And they say, um, that there's the hot pod summit, Brooklyn, um, which is all about, uh, panels and stuff from podcasts. Uh, what they say is it's being held in association with on air fest 2023, which will take place from February 23rd to 25th. On Air Fest has some cool programming lined up featuring uh, On Being with Krista Tippett and People's Party with Talib Kaweli um, and much, much more. And then they talk about Apple uh, finally makes it easier to distribute subscription podcasts. So if you have a podcast, uh, for instance, Omtown can now 
have a subscription podcast that is ad free, which we are already. Um, and, uh, I can host it now, uh, within hometown, I can host the podcast that is a subscription, um, before it had to be delegated elsewhere. Um, and, uh, it says, what are subscribers willing to pay for speaking of podcast subscriptions? Again, that's what the article is talking about. Cumulus and signal Hill released a report that gives some insight into what, if anything will compel listeners to pay for podcasts. Unsurprisingly, the answer is more content, always more content feed the beast, which is a good add on to Minecraft, by the way. Um, among weekly podcast listeners, 36% said that they would pay monthly fee for bonus episodes of one of their shows. Other perks that ranked well were access to extended episodes, 32%, early access to episodes, 30%, and behind the scenes content, 28%. What do they not care about? Exclusive merch, 22%, and transcripts, 13%. Transcripts should just be automated. And merch, unless you have some an amazing community who really buys into the memes that you generate, like, um, the greatest generation podcast, um, the live play podcasts, um, merch, isn't it? And to make it cost-effective for most podcasts, you would have to have a large audience, um, because it's expensive to brand around products unless you do like on demand purchases, and then you lose a lot of margin as a content producer, but you don't do the merch for the profit. You do the merch for the marketing. One, one more minute, please. I have a tickle in my throat and my cough button is working very well and overtime. Okay. So the last article for today, and I'm gonna make it quick because um, we're at our one hour stopping point. Although if you're in our chat and you are happy to talk, I will stay longer. Um, please come visit. I uh, would love to hit, uh, add your, like the Borg, yeah, add your, uh, what, you uh, assimilate? yes, assimilate you into hometown and, uh, integrate your unique, um, everything into, uh, there's a whole sentence and now I'm going to have to include it. Although I might get a, copyright notice. Um, everything you've been told about passwords is a lie, by the way. So those three, those strings of symbols and numbers are probably bad passwords. The whole system of online passwords must die according to this article. And it's uh, from the Washington post. It's a perspective piece by Shira Ovide. Um, and, uh, Really, the only reason why I brought this up is because I follow this exact same thing. Passwords, these uh, kind of crypto garbage, hard to remember, blah, blah, blah. 16 characters of uppercase, lowercase, extended ASCII and whatnot. It's all garbage because that can be generated uh, automatically. It's much harder to uh, include a passphrase. Dictionary attacks and other things um, are quite literal outmoded now, um, technologies, um, and only the lowest hanging fruit are going to fall prey to this. And everybody's, uh, enterprise policies 
are evolving uh, to two-factor or two-step authentications, you really should switch to a passphrase. And even with that, your phone or some other device should notify you and you should have the ability to confirm that said account is being accessed by you at that time. Um, I think I said in a previous episode that I um, had to notify a person who kept using one of my accounts as their personal email account and thus led me to uh, have to reach back in time and find a, a subordinate point of contact so that I could notify the account creator of a credit card of a business account somewhere of a bank account somewhere. I mean, all kinds of stuff was created by this person. Um, and I had to notify, I think it was their mom or their aunt. Hey, go tell this person that they do not own this email account. I hope it was their mom. That just makes the story even better. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I had their email account, uh, I, I, it was my email account, but they were using my email account. And so I could go to the credit card or, and, or the bank or the other business account and reset the password because I had the recovery email. Not smart. Um, but no fault. I don't really, I, I won't ever say their name. I won't ever, um, go beyond what I've said already. Um, but luckily they had a person that was, had a, a, a solid ethical compass and wasn't going to sit there and log in and go buy a Ferrari and considering the nature of the card and the bank account. Um, I probably could have bought one of those John Deere tractors. Um, so quite, quite interesting, uh, if I do say so myself. So at any rate, um, that is, uh, hometown, um, news for to actually the hometown daily news show for today. Um, this article that I linked in chat and that, uh, is over at the Washington post goes into detail about what I just said. And, um, maybe is a little bit more, well, you know, writers don't get paid for brevity. They get paid for long form. I, on the other hand, want you to get the messages fast and furious as possible and then uh, hang out and chat and socialize and, and just, um, you know, be a member of hometown. What say you, are we done for tonight? AI that runs hometown. Yep. I think we've uh, captured the news for the day. Um, be sure to follow and we hope to see you tomorrow night. 9 PM Eastern every day. And, um, all, all things being said, I, I will be streaming, uh, Friday, um, somewhere around, uh, four 30, maybe four o'clock Friday, um, for, uh, as many hours as possible, then do the, uh, hometown daily news show. And then, uh, uh, maybe strike it up again. It really depends on if people show up for, um, either the reality hacker show, it will be, um, sent over to YouTube as a show, but it won't be a podcast unless we 
uh, have a subordinate talking period um, because uh, me live playing a game as a podcast seems to be uh, nothing more than ASMR podcast of um, uh, depending on what it is, it will be me killing zombies or shooting monsters of some kind. And I don't know how, ex- I don't know. Maybe that's a niche that I, that could be filled. It would be a lot of fun either maybe way. Maybe you need to try that. <laughs> Reality hacker will not be ASMR, but anyway, it is a show here on uh, hometown. So stick around. Okay. We're out of here. Have a good night. Bye-bye. <laughs>